prostate cancer screening can decrease your risk of dying from prostate cancer. How often you're screened and what is done after you have an abnormal PSA can directly impact the outcome of your life. I think over-screening and over-diagnosis is a major problem. The guidelines have shifted to show that there is a benefit once we start screening smarter, doing better biopsies. Prostate cancer is the second most common cancer in American men. We all know someone who's battled this disease. Dr. Ardashir Rastenhead, who you just heard from, says it can be very difficult to navigate, which is why he's worked over the past 12 years to overhaul how specialists screen for prostate cancer, from pioneering the use of safer, more precise testing to reducing unnecessary biopsies. When I first started doing this, I'm like, everything we know about prostate cancer is going to change. And... People are like, what do you mean? I'm like, all the data, all the research, none of it has to do with an image-based approach. Recently, I spoke with Dr. Rassenhead, who is Northwell Health's Director for Prostate Cancer and the Vice Chair at the Smith Institute for Urology at Lenox Hill Hospital. Formerly, he was a researcher at the National Institutes of Health. His team at Northwell have worked to improve prostate cancer screening, including developing a new fast-track system that has dramatically cut the time it takes to go from screening to diagnosis. While cancer deaths are in decline in the United States, there is one glaring exception, prostate cancer. Over the last decade, the number of prostate cancer deaths have risen by 3%. Dr. Rastenhead has made it his mission to turn that number around, first by addressing issues with the PSA or prostate-specific antigen test. The PSA test is a blood test. We do this simple test in the office. It's called prostate-specific antigen which means it's associated with other things besides prostate cancer. But it's an easy test that we can use to help risk stratify a patient. And what's easier than a blood test to be able to assess what your risk is for prostate cancer? But it doesn't end there. We still have to assess people's risk with other factors. The guidelines have changed a lot. You mentioned that prostate cancer had an increase in deaths from prostate cancer of 3%. Well, that most likely played a major role of that was the guidelines change, which recommended against screening initially. It's come full circle where we are now screening more men, but we're screening smarter because we want to decrease the incidence of overdiagnosis and overtreatment. What experts like Dr. Rastin had realized is that the PSA results needed to be combined with a man's risk factors to fully understand his need for further screening and what that screening might look like. Looking at that PSA as the first step is key. After that, we risk stratify people here at Northwell with biomarker tests as well as prostate MRI. And we've been doing research on this since 2010. So it's been a really exciting area to be able to look at the entire prostate using MRI. And then if there's something abnormal, we can discuss the need for a biopsy and what the benefits of that would be. What's key to know is that prostate biopsies have changed dramatically over the last decade. Instead of a random sampling of prostate tissue using a needle, Doctors are now imaging the prostate to guide the biopsy. I tell patients we've gone digital to digital. We originally started doing biopsies using our our finger and a straw with a needle that went right next to it. So you could biopsy your finger, you could biopsy your rectum, or hopefully you'd hit the prostate. That's how we digitally guided biopsies before we used ultrasound. With the advent of ultrasound, it was a breakthrough. Now we could visualize the prostate. We can pick regions so better spread out our cores, but we're still randomly biopsy without really any intention to see what's happening inside the prostate. As we've moved up, the current paradigm is using 
ultrasound with an MRI. The MRI, the beauty of it is it has a high sensitivity and specificity, so it's great at ruling in and ruling out high-risk prostate cancer. And the ultrasound, we're able to, it's cheap, and it's in your office with a doctor. And if we marry the two together that with some software and navigation where we're able to track that tool in space, we can combine that and marry the, the best of both worlds. And that's a MR ultrasound fusion guided prostate biopsy. The route to securing tissue for the biopsy has changed for the better as well. Taking that one step further, how do we get to the prostate? In the, the Europeans, call it transfecal. In the United States, we call it transrectal. This was the biopsy that carries that 2 to 7% infection rate and risk of sepsis. Transperineal is a fancy way of saying we're biopsying through the skin between the anus and the scrotum. The infection rate is almost non-existent. A lot of places don't use antibiotics anymore because antibiotic stewardship. We overuse antibiotics. We create resistant strains. And if you're going to eliminate long-term use of antibiotics, you're going to benefit society as well. So transperineal biopsy, I believe, is the future. It's safer for the patients. And at Northwell, we do not do any transrectal ultrasound. That's a service line mandate. It's only done transperineally. And we have patients that seek us out for this. We have patients that are like, oh, my doctor tried, wanted to do this. I absolutely do not want to have a transrectal biopsy. But Dr. Rassenhead is quick to point out that a traditional biopsy is still better than not checking for cancer if you're at risk. The majority of biopsy trauma does resolve on its own, which is good. And we do a, more, more than a million biopsies a year in the Medicare population. And if biopsies were harmful on a global scale, we would stop. But what was harmful was that infection rate that is a, really is in the forefront of all your audits. Should I do this? And why should a screen test result in infection? Treatment is yet another way that prostate cancer care has dramatically improved. And Dr. Rastenhead was an instrumental player. He developed a breakthrough technology for targeting prostate tumors, the Euronav fusion biopsy system. What the challenge was, was taking that information into the doctor's office and then using that to guide the biopsy. And that's what that original research that I worked on at the NIH and that Northwell was the first site outside the NIH to have this technology in the United States to test called MR ultrasound fusion guided prostate biopsies. We collaborated with a company named Philips Healthcare, and this is made pretty much the global standard for tar uh, diagnosing prostate cancer is targeted biopsy with fusion. Since we use the MRI and fusion biopsy, we can see where our needles went. The needles took the tissue, and now you can replace that with using needles to do treatments. You can freeze it with cryotherapy, irreversible electroporation. One of the cool things about my research is that since I was at doing the R&D for the transperineal platform, I helped develop the first use of nanoparticles in humans to treat a solid malignancy. So it was really exciting that we developed a new therapy for prostate cancer and things just kind of snowball. So the Euronav has laid the foundation for image-guided biopsies and it was a partnership with the NIH the, and the NCI and Philips Healthcare, and I just was lucky to be a part of it. And when they picked their first site in the United States, they picked Northwell because of my multidisciplinary background and the opportunity here to grow this. It's exciting because we were doing the original research and development on a technology that was going to change everything in prostate cancer, and it has. With all the improvements in PSA results, biopsies, and treatment, one issue remained, timing. Men with a worrisome PSA test could wait more than three anxiety-ridden months for a follow-up. This led Dr. Rassenhead to work with his colleagues in the U.S. and the U.K. on a streamlined new approach in prostate care that could deliver men answers and treatments much faster. 
The rapid diagnostic pathway was developed to overcome the limitations of the standard approach that most clinicians took in a stepwise fashion of getting a patient worked up for an elevated PSA. The RDP looked at, we, as a programmatic approach, we looked at how long does it take. In some cases, it could be over 105 days. Depends on patient scheduling, access to MR imaging, access to the urologist. We decided that was not acceptable. And we partnered with the University of College London, Imperial College in London, and they have the NHS runs a program like this. We collaborate with them. We built the program here to work within the U.S. healthcare system, and we took that. We we're almost able to do it three times faster. So the anxiety of an elevated PSA it's, it's not as significant because a primary care doctor could tell a patient that they have an elevated PSA. We could talk to the patient same day, next day to go over the risks, confirm their PSA is elevated and get them through the process. So the RDP was really focused on a clear defined pathway that was gave access or allowed access for multiple pa or for patients to be put through the system in a way they could understand it, decrease anxiety, and we provide, I believe, a better experience overall because it's high-quality imaging. We have programs with quality control like integrated into the entire process. At the end of it, we have a multidisciplinary clinic that can review your case by multiple physicians that come up with a, a, a treatment summary and risk profile, which did not really exist before. With RDP allowing men to move smoothly from PSA to biopsy to diagnosis has meant a lot to men with anxiety-producing test results. It's over a 95% success rate. I don't want to say 100 because there can always be, but we're around 95% of patients are pleased with the approach and the, the concierge feel. Because the same day, next day, you get to talk to one of our specialized NPs that only deal with prostate cancer. They see the patients post-op in the clinics, so they understand what it's like to be treated and the challenges that men go through. That's the first step. The next step is you get to meet with a group of physicians that are dedicated to prostate cancer, fusion biopsy, and treatment. You talk to about the risks. What are your concerns? Should I have a biopsy or not? And then a biopsy is scheduled or is, is, is already scheduled. So you don't have to wait. If you don't, some patients that are scheduled for the biopsy that have a negative MRI don't have a biopsy. So that's what I think what's the, the secret sauce is this hands-on, personalized approach. And then we educate the patient through the process. And I think it's been overwhelmingly met with positive uh, responses across the board. By tapping telemedicine and the deep resources Northwell has to offer, Dr. Rassenhead and his colleagues have been able to expedite the success of RDP. So not many people start with it this way, but thanks to the pandemic, we had an opportunity to leverage more of telemedicine and access to care. Because a lot of the first part of prostate cancer screening is risk stratification, talking with a patient. They have an elevated PSA. Any patient can go to a local Northwell lab and get a repeated PSA to confirm if it wasn't done because certainly we do not act on one PSA. I tell patients, a PSA could be elevated so many things. We make sure they have access to care. What's great about our program is that we have the NPs that are specialized in prostate cancer counseling and screening. We have Northwell labs and home services around that, the region we cover in Northwell, which is vast, and that's what makes it exciting. We have the urology service line dedicated to helping patients get in screen. We have the radiology department dedicated to giving access to prostate imaging. If we didn't have that collaboration of urology, radiology, pathology, radiation medicine, 
it, it just couldn't work. And since I made the joke that I was here as a volunteer in 2001, I know all these people through my whole career. So it's been really easy to talk to everyone and get them motivated to be like, Hey, let's just change how we're doing everything. And everyone has been really pleased with the response. And when I look at it, I see patients get through quicker, less confusion, and they get a sense that we care about them specifically. Cause when it gets drawn out, you might get a path report here. You have to wait so long to talk to someone. Now you're on the forefront of everyone's mind because we're working at that a real-time pace. I, that's how I look at that, at a real-time pace for care. And, I, and that's what I think makes me so excited about what we do here. With all the changes, Dr. Rassenhead feels strongly that prostate cancer screening is safe and life-saving. I think unequivocally I can say prostate cancer screening can decrease your risk of dying from prostate cancer. How often you're screened and what is done after you have an abnormal PSA can directly impact the outcome of your life. I think over-screening and over-diagnosis is a major problem. The guidelines have shifted to show that there is a benefit once we start screening smarter, doing better biopsies. I'll give you an example. When we did ultrasound-only biopsies, they're positive 30% of the time, let's say 30 to 40%. So 30% of the time. A third of that would be high risk. So it's 10%, right? You're finding a disease that needs to be treated. Unfortunately, a one centimeter tumor that we would know that's there would be missed 80% of the time if it was just randomly biopsying the gland. That's been published in, in um, computer models of like prostatectomy spasms. So I think there's an inherent need to screen, but we have to screen smarter. And you have to understand that just because you might have low risk prostate cancer doesn't mean you need to be treated. We really need to take the let the, I tell patients, this is how I talk to patients. I go, there's three buckets of prostate cancer. Bucket one, you're not going to die of prostate cancer. Bucket two, there's lots of different treatment choices. And our third bucket is how that's going to affect you. And I do that same way for screenings, but on this, the same idea is when you get the bucket one, I, are you going to die of this disease? And the, the overwhelming answer is usually no, unless you have advanced disease, but we have amazing new treatments. Men in bucket two and bucket three might need treatment and it could affect them. And Dr. Rassen had said they have plenty of concerns. How does that affect my erections? How is my urinary? Am I going to leak urine after this tre treatment? Am I going to have bowel dysfunction with le stool leakage? These things can all happen with varying treatments. What I specialize in, we'll talk about later, is focal therapy. That idea that there's a middle way to spare most of the prostate, kind of like a lumpectomy and breast cancer, treat the spot. And then we monitor the rest of you. And then I've had patients out 10 years that have no signs of recurrence. And they're like, I'm on the golf links playing with my friends. There are some of them wear pads. Some of them have, you know, difficulty urinating. He's like, I play a whole, you know, the front nine. And then I take my bathroom break. He's like, it's amazing. So, I mean, it's a perspective. And at the end of the day, your raw, raw just cares about the whole patient, not just a disease process. With all the RDP success, Dr. Rastenhead is still focused on improving outcomes for men. Now he's investigating the use of his Euronav fusion biopsy technology as a way to deliver a targeted treatment called focal therapy. Focal therapy is the, I, the idea and the theory that we can treat a specific part of the prostate and maybe alter the uh, oncologic course of the disease. We've shown that specific high-risk lesions of prostate are the ones that lead to metastatic disease. That's the index tumor theory, where the index tumor drives the oncologic outcomes of prostate cancer. So the larger, more visible ones are the ones that are most um, worrisome. Focal therapy's idea is we can 
decrease or eliminate that risk by just treating the spot and leaving the patient's sphincter so he doesn't leak. Don't damage the nerve so he can get his erections. And indirectly, sometimes they even pee better because you've removed some of the prostate tissue that was in the way that's maybe like their BPH or benign prostate hyperplasia. Big prostate guys get older. That's what's so exciting about focal therapy is now you can have a same-day outpatient procedure. There's multiple different technologies that are available. But at the end of the day, the idea of improving men's quality of life while maintaining that and having an impact on a cancer control, we don't call it a cure. A cure is a misnomer in prostate cancer because there's a probability the PSA is going to come back after treatment. You're controlling your risk of developing metastatic disease and dying from that disease. And focal therapy may offer that middle way, as we call it, between active surveillance and the whole gland therapies, which are a little bit more invasive, radiation, surgery, and that. It's exciting. And I, I think that's going to be our future. I want to thank Dr. Rassenhead again for joining us on today's episode. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle, and this has been another edition of 20-Minute Health Talk. Get more expert insight from the leading voices in healthcare today. You can subscribe to 20-Minute Health Talk wherever podcasts are available.